Yo, what's good? Welcome to Counter Currents. It's Petey Steele. And your co-host, Elena Torres. And today, we got my main man, Jay Chandra Sekar. I got that right, right? You nailed it. Oh, shit. You nailed it. I'm not a honky tonight. What the fuck is good? Be. And I appreciate you. That would be very descriptive, yeah. I think. That would be more descriptive of our personality. Well, they don't no, allow profanity, like, in written form. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they have us at the entrance of oh. the draft house and stuff. Got so it. what the fuck is going on? I don't know if that would be appreciated by all so the what is, current. So what is good? Yeah. Mitch, she and I have, like, see. different opinions. I see. Vibes. Okay. Right. right. Mm. Good. Takes on facial hair. Uh, yeah, different people coming together to make a current as well. Nice countercurrent. Yeah, what yeah. we're going for. What about you? You just did a show oh. here at Arlington. I just uh, I'm start like basically I shoot television from July to March, and then I start doing stand up in between. Nice. Mm -hmm. And do you consider yourself? I mean, as some I hate this question, but I'm going to ask it. Uh, Most of my time. Uh, writing and directing mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know I'm definitely an actor yeah. <laughs> and definitely yeah. a stand-up yeah. well, yeah. I busted uh, in on you earlier we made the introduction I definitely saw these eight was a half by a lot no I, I I write out the the stand-up bit uh, in like a, almost like a math formula yeah. where I need to introduce it that way and I need to hit this and I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I think mathematical made movies and television and stand up. I, I wrote a book a couple of years ago. You start to realize it's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's all set up the concept, give some funny examples of the concept of the setup, and then pay it off with the setup what the concept is, what the premise is. It's sitcom, situation comedy, right? right. And so when, when I write out my stand up bits, so you got to have the crispest, clearest, premise yeah. so the audience can relax and go okay this is the premise right and then you can you know a novel and you're doing television and you're, you're writing in all these different formats do you decide like i'm going to focus on writing for the novel for x amount of time or do you just do whatever comes to your brain because i found when you do a lot of writing in different forms like if i'll be writing for i write for tv and film as well like if i'm writing yeah i have I, trouble i basically have a file on my I, on my phone that says novel, new book, uh, stand-up, movie ideas. And the idea goes, sometimes it'll go into a couple of those categories. You just, I wrote about 15 minutes of this set is new. I sat down this week and I was like, okay, here's the stand-up file. And I gather them, these are all about jokes, uh, sex. These are all about race. These are about whatever, power. These are more about, and you can kind of go, okay, I can write that bit now. But you just got to focus on what you're doing. I mean, I've been writing the novel uh, for a year and a half, two years, because I've been trying to put this movie together. And that just mm -hmm. takes so much time to finance movies. And so why? And then I'll have to stop the novel. But at right. least you'll get, you know, hopefully get to the point where I can show it to a publisher and say, do you want it? Right. But it's, it's really about focus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like when you sit down... You know, you've got to setting the now, turn your hour, and then okay, then you can go do. If you have to do stand up, do the do it. You know, mm -hmm. do that for an hour. And that's you schedule your day in that like okay today I'm gonna spend. X I just time. I schedule it based on what's required. Like right. I know that the movies, it's just gonna be sitting there. 
I'd rather get it done and give it to my agent and go, okay, deal with it now while I make this movie. Mm-hmm. And you give me some notes and I'll crank through one more draft and then we'll go sell it when I'm cutting the movie. Sure. Because mm-hmm. show business is so cruel. It takes its own fucking time. Yeah. It takes its own, it's so slow yeah. that like, I'd much rather try to be doing several things so that I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for you. Okay, I'm going to do this. Right. Okay, I'm waiting for this. I'm going to go back to this. Okay, we'll go to this then. And just. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think... we're doing the movie now. Agent, what's the story on that fucking novel? Yeah, yeah. and then everybody's <laughs> like, oh, we don't have his time. He's doing this thing. And then yeah. they want you a little more. Yeah, totally. Go. The busier you seem and more unavailable you seem, the That's more right. they want you. It's also like, fuck you. I, I don't wait for you. Right. Yeah. I am waiting. I am waiting for you, but <laughs> fuck you. But you don't need to know about that. Yeah, yeah. fuck you. There you go. That's a good motto. Uh, Jay, where do you hail from and stuff originally? I mean, people know you from Super Troopers 2 and all of that, but what's the, the back, back story? Uh, I, I was born and raised in Chicago. Okay. Uh, my family, my parents are from deep south India, Madras. Okay. Uh, they came over and, you know, they're both doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Colgate University, upstate, uh, New, York, upstate huh? New York. I did some. Um, I started stand up at age nineteen, and I started improv uh, at the Improv Olympic at age nineteen in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, we st- I started the comedy group at Colgate uh, senior year, and then we moved to New York, and we were trying to be the American Monty Python, mm-hmm. uh, and you know. I had to learn how to make movies in order to kind of get to that, make that a possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did. And so we were, you know, we've made uh, something like seven or eight movies. Uh, and, you know, three of the, three or four of those guys now also direct. Wow. So they've learned, you know, they've learned and tried. And now they're also directors as well. So at what point did you get into directing because I feel like a lot of people discover that sort of last you know like I mean I was an actor in high school and college mm-hmm. and uh, but there were no Indians on the screens right mm-hmm. like you could be in plays but mm-hmm. you couldn't be on TV now, or what movies year was this about when you 90, were 90 91 okay mm-hmm. you couldn't be in the movies or TV because they basically it, it's just the way I mean besides Ben Kingsley who played Gandhi right they weren't gonna make a Gandhi too uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Ghost of Gandhi. Yeah. Uh, Gandhi. Uh, Gandhi too, the ghost of Gandhi. Yeah. Gandhi fast. <laughs> yeah, where he eats. He's yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> Starving more than ever. Yeah. fast. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, because uh, they would put, you know, they put white guys in brown face and they'd do an Indian accent. And by the way, it was yeah. funny. You know, Peter Sellers was hilarious in, in the party. It's funny. It's not. It's not bad. It's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Hank Azaria as a poo. You're like, I get why it's not modern at right. the moment, right. but it right. wasn't bad. It was right. just what it was. So you didn't right. take the stance of like Harry Kondabalu about like. The I disagree with Harry on this, but Harry came up uh, later, and he, you know, he his he has that opinion, and people probably made fun of him. For, for Apu. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make fun of me for that because right. just didn't, they didn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, I mean, after Ben Kingsley, I was the, <laughs> I was basically the next Indian. Uh, and I figured if I don't 
if I don't write scripts, I'm never going to be able to play anything besides the, uh, you know, the the deli guy who sells Brad Pitt a pack of smokes on his way to go, you know, have sex with Jennifer Aniston. Right. And right. Uh, I'm like, I want to have sex with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or Brad Pitt or whatever, right? <laughs> Something. And uh, so I figured I'd write. I had to write my own scripts, and then once I wrote them, we flirt. We like had a director shoot a short for us, and I was like, mm, "The timing is just all off. It's the shots are right, but the timing is off." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "We can never do that again. I've got to learn how to direct," mm-hmm. which, which is what I did. Which is I'm like, "Okay, so I'm," and so we shot a lot of short videos that went in between our live stage sketches, and. You make one, you get better. You make two, you make twenty. You're like, I got it, mm-hmm. uh, and and you start to look at movies differently, mm-hmm. and you start to notice that the great movies have a great opening, fifteen to twenty minutes, which is uh, the first act, which is the premise of the act, the premise of it's stand up act. It's why you know, you listen to Jerry Seinfeld do stand up. He's like, you know, what's the deal with Q-tips? Yeah, right. Yeah. Chris Rock will say. A man's one job is to keep his daughter off the pole. Mm-hmm. A man, and he'll repeat it twice. Mm-hmm. And what he's doing is burning that premise into your head. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is jokes. Mm-hmm. But these guys are technical masters, and that's the reason they do it is because that's the way it works best for the audience, where they're like, man's one job is to keep his daughter off the pole. Got it. Got it. Uh, now let's hear about it. Mm-hmm. Burn a central tenant through their head. And That's then right. Just fucking ass. That's right. And we and, and we learned that, you know, we would write fifty minute first acts and then you we'd cut it and you're like, Oh, it's way too long. And every time we cut it it would be about eighteen minutes. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, fuck it, we're writing an eighteen minute first act and that's it. We're not gonna we're gonna be smart about this. And then we'll make all the jokes in the second act and the third act. Mm-hmm. And it's just you you know, you watch it enough and you start to learn what the, you know, it, it's not that it's not rocket science. It's high-end, difficult. it's difficult. Yes. But once you figure out the pattern, you're like, you know, if you look at Indiana Jones, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's the perfect three-act structure. If you mm-hmm. can study it and go, ah, got it. So what, what's the page number, that, or minutes, because every page is a minute, that, that, your mu- that your movies usually clock in at? They're almost all 102 minutes. Nice. And it's I, a good number. And nice. I, I mean, I think, you know, all eight of them are, are about, you know, on the low end, probably 99, and on the high end, 107. Mm-hmm. But generally 102. If yeah. I see 102 on the minute counter when I'm looking for movies, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can justify this. But 120, I'm like, eh. Right. You're like, gotta hit the gets, gym especially, first especially for comedy, you yeah. want it to be sort of lower. And it's hard. It's really hard. To go shorter. That's what I I found yeah. that it's really hard to stick in that structure. Yeah, yeah. I just well, mean watching fucking movies. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's hard because you don't want to give up great jokes. Right. Mm-hmm. But what you do is you shoot them as alternatives to the the joke you've written. Right. And choose the best. I mean. There are great jokes we never put into Super Troopers and Super Troopers 2 and Beer Fest. And we know them. And we laugh at them. Yeah. People don't see them. But we try to get them into another movie. And right. we'll crank the situation. You ever take them on stage? Sure. Yeah. Anywhere you can 
if you can take a joke and refit it for something, mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, Steve Lemmy did a joke uh, on stage about a French guy who was saying, he was having dinner with him, and the French guy was like, the key to life is the penis in your asshole. <laughs> and what, and Steve was like, the key to life is a penis in my asshole? And the guy goes, yeah, the key to life is the penis in your asshole. And what he was saying is, is happiness in your household. The key to life is happiness oh my God, in your household. So funny. That's awesome. And I was it's like, so and, and you watch him do the gag <laughs> on stage, and you're like, holy shit, this gag's great. And he's like, let's do the gag in the movie. And I'm like, it's not going to work in the movie. It will never work in the movie. And I fought it and fought it and fought it. And then somehow I end up in the scene with him. Mm -hmm. And we shoot the scene. And it's the favorite scene in the movie. And it's like we figured out how to break it and set it up for this movie and do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it worked. But mm -hmm. you've got to, you can't just take stand-up jokes and stick them in movies. I think if you look at early Chris Rock films, you can see the stand-up routines being done on screen. You're like, yeah. Great. They're great on the stand-up stage. They don't quite work in the movie. But now Chris Rock makes movies that are just movies mm -hmm. and does stand-up that's just stand-up. Mm -hmm. You can do both, but you mm -hmm. just have to be willing to break the joke apart and make it work for the film. Right. Right. I think it's a lot about making more, basing it more in images, even more in images than in character. In character. Yeah. Would this character say that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if the character wouldn't say that, you can't put it in the movie. Yeah. Because then the audience goes, what's that? Well, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. That's a stand-up joke. Yeah. And a good one. But, but not necessarily for a movie. And what's your novel about? Can you tell us? Or? It's about four uh, couples in suburban Chicago who hang out a ton. And they're kind of hard-charging, hard-partying. And then two of them turn out to be having an affair. And so mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it's a little bit like a psychological funny movie about human behavior mm -hmm. and you know alcohol and drugs and sex and right uh, but it's you know you can really go deep in, in in a novel in terms of like you know how like when you attack an idea it doesn't all have to be funny it can mm -hmm. be thoughtful and interesting and, and right. uh, I, th I think purely funny novels don't really work no, they don't. It has to be more, I think, autobiographical and in an essay format a little bit. Kind of like, he's ordering a drink, everybody. Uh, no, kind of like Tina, Fe Tina Fey's hey. novel I found hilarious, but it's sort of, it's a bunch of essays and autobiographical. It's not necessarily a story. Tina Fey's was nonfiction, though, not a novel. That's true, that's true. It was that's true. Uh, that's kind true. of a memoir. That's true. Right. Yeah, good. Novels. It was good. It's hard, to, it's hard to think. I can't. Think a novel is basically novels. like a, you know, it's like a movie, a written movie. Right, right. Or and are you are you enjoying doing that more because it's, it's my a... favorite thing to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just because you have total creative freedom. Well, it's it's nice to be able to approach a topic from every angle there is instead of just the comedy angle. Mm -hmm. People don't want to hear some of the darker shit about life out on that stage because they're here to fucking fuck off and get drunk and not worry about their lives and not worry about the shit with whatever, the government or whatever it is. Or mm -hmm. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The Mueller report. They don't want to hear about it. <laughs> right? They don't want to hear about it. I mean, they want to hear about it from the people who want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But here they want to hear these jokes, right? And in the novel, you know, you're sitting in your bed and you're reading and you want to hear 
all of the sides of a thing. It's not because mm -hmm. it's only just the funny is like it's you know there's something superficial about it. Right, right. You're not getting as deep as still you. Still good. Right. Still good, right. but it's not the same. It's not right. You know, yeah, cerebral stuff, you can keep it to yourself reading a book. Yeah. Versus just 300 people clinking glasses. Yeah. Yeah, because I do a lot of really kind of dark and cerebral comedy. And it's been hard. Stand up. Yeah, stand up. It's harder to do that, I think, than... You know, as long as you've got a punchline somewhere in there... Oh, I do. Then <laughs> it, it can work. I didn't but... say I did it badly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just say that, you know, it doesn't gain traction, I don't think, as quick. No, or a fan it doesn't. Base. Yeah. Well, they don't know... They know that they're going to have to listen to some serious shit for a while. Mm. Uh, and then... You know, if you have, thank you. If you have a killer punchline, thank you. Then fantastic. Yeah. But you know, when you're listening to molestation set up, you're like, oh dear. Yeah, I haven't gone <laughs> quite down that road. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, you hear, I've heard yeah. stand ups do that. You're like, okay. People get scared. People <laughs> yeah. get scared. They're not. Okay. Yeah. You're gonna listen to that on a Friday night. I mean, you, you know, came to forget about you're, that. You're, yeah. But by the way, you're welcome, you're welcome to try it if you can make people. <laughs> it, you can make but, people do it. Right? But I think a lot of times those are the best jokes because they have, I think, an element of fear before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A punchline makes for it's just such a release after. Yeah. Sure. You know. I like to make people uncomfortable. I do too. I do too. I mean, I slip in dangerous things all the time, but they're not necessarily overtly dark mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're not presented darkly yeah that's just my style no i hear you i, I mean i was out there watching it the thing about like good racism versus bad yeah. racism yeah like on the one hand I, I love exploring stuff like race but then there's people that you know if you say anything like that it better be lockstep with yeah the way society is supposed i just to be don't really have to play by those rules because i'm brown like right. i don't have to have i don't have the same problems that you guys have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like there's not a and by the way there's tons of racism in the indian community but people pretend like there's not yeah and as a result i can say almost whatever the fuck i want to hmm. and i'm willing to yeah but mm -hmm. This uh, environment for comics is strained. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you have to have, you know, a lot of guts to go out and fucking say it anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you should, because comics will defend you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're not, if you're not, uh, well, I mean, uh, you know. My I think, base as, I think as, long as, as long as it's funny, <laughs> as long as it's funny. People, because I think there's a difference between being funny and stuff that just sounds like a right. But you have to try. To, you have to try it to know. Yeah, that's and right. And then that, and if yeah. you get busted in that one moment, you're like, Ugh. that's right. Mm. And, and if you thought it was funny, and then you try it, and it's not, that's a problem. Yeah, but even if it there's is, there's no way around that, right? It's kind of weird, that's though. True. It's sort of like you know, striking out playing t-ball. Like if you, how many times do you get to try that one joke that's like a racial fucking calamity? Yeah. <laughs> if it fails. You know what I mean? You have well, to I like, mean, try open mics like two towns away yeah. <laughs> for each attempt. Right. right. I don't know. Whatever. You have to be as smart as you can possibly be about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, it's okay. It's fine. You can still say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you can. And we want to encourage everybody to say whatever the fuck they want, do whatever the fuck they want, except for one caveat, you should come to the D.C. Draft House March the 29th and 30th, 7 and 9 o'clock. 
Friday night, you can see Felonious Monk from Second City in the night we show with Larry Wilmore at Draft House Comedy, uh, 7 and 9 o'clock. And then the following night, Saturday, March the 30th, you can go and see Bonnie McFarlane from Comedy Central, HBO, and My Wife Hates Me podcast. Uh, then at Arlington Cinema Draft House, the following are the same dates, 29th and 30th. They're going to have uh, London Brown from Ballers and the Hustle. Um, that's going to be 7.30 and 10 on Friday, and then 7 and 9.30 on Saturday night. And you can follow us at Counter Currents in order to have a chance at winning three free pairs of tickets to any of those shows. Just keep clicking on it and unclick, and then you can do it the following week. Have a chance to keep getting fucking tickets all the time. It's great. We're like the Joseph A. Banks of comedy here. So uh, yeah, you know. it'll be a lot. It'll be a lot of fun and a free cool day if you do it. Right. So what else could you ask for? What's stopping? You? Yeah, exactly. Nothing stopping you. And, There's uh, a DC draft house too. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. over at Thirteenth uh, and L. Yeah, it's a smaller sort of black box theater. Nice. That's great. It's um, awesome. So we want to thank uh, Jay Chandra Sekar for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for doing this and thank talking you. to us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And where can they get at you or follow you or do you do any of that? Uh, Jay Chandra Sekar. There's not enough letters on ah. Twitter. Ah. And same on uh, Instagram. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And yeah, thanks thank everybody you. for joining in. Thank you. Peace.